Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to the first episode of the Checkerboard Chat. That is the Daily Beacon Sports Podcast. I'm, I guess I'm your host, Josh Lane. I'm the sports editor here at the Beacon this semester. Um, I'm joined by Ethan Stone, our assistant sports editor, and a contributor, Riley Thomas. He's done a nice work on tennis for us. Happy to be joined with you guys. How you all doing this morning? Doing great. How are you all doing? I am doing fantastic. Hey. Ready to uh, uh, talk some Tennessee sports. Right, man. It's a great week so far already. I mean, this is just exciting just to be here and talk about something meaningful for first time. It feels like years, mm-hmm. I will say. Yeah. Um, Ole Miss this week, obviously. Got uh, good stuff going on in the past for Tennessee football. Um, pretty bright future ahead. It can, it can change one way or another this exactly. Saturday. But, um, yeah. Yeah, the spotlight's on Tennessee right now. Mm-hmm. I feel like... You were at this point where we flip a coin and it's in midair yeah. and we're looking at which way it's going to fall. That's Tennessee right now. Yeah. Are we got the momentum? We're going right. to maybe upset Ole Miss or come crashing back yeah. down? Don't know. But uh, what I do know is that Tennessee handled South Carolina pretty handedly last mm-hmm. weekend. Um, 45-20 win over the Gamecocks. Um, just all-out domination in the first half. Right. Ball scored five touchdowns real early. Um, Hendon Hooker found Javonta Payton for a long score, long touchdown pass. They're finally starting to connect now with those long offensive passes. Um, Bayless Jones, another long pass, lots of yards after the catch from him. He's been doing that all year so far. Um, so just a dominating first half. South Carolina got a touchdown uh, right before the end of the half. But, you know, Tennessee had all the steam. They were, you know, kind of cruising towards another 60-point win maybe yeah. or, you know, 60-point showing like they did last week. And then kind of, I don't know, took their foot off the gas or whatever. I don't know we'll get into that a little more later. But second half, not nearly as productive. South Carolina starts coming back. I think they even outscored uh, Tennessee, yeah, 13-7 to yeah. in the second half. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of all Gamecocks there. But Tennessee, Tennessee survives in the end. They scored a touchdown uh, you know, under five minutes in the fourth quarter to kind of seal the deal. Um, but, again, like I mentioned, that kind of, I don't know, stall out in the second half, whatever you want to call it. You know, a less aggressive play calling, I know we'll get into that in a little bit, but, you know, just kind of what went right for the Vols, um, what happened there in the second half. Um, you know, was Josh Heupel to blame for this, for the play calling, or is it just other factors? Uh, Ethan, your thoughts on that? Well, you were talking a little bit about Javonta Payton um, earlier, I guess, when you were introducing the topic, and he's he's really the guy that's impressed me the most in the offense, and he's... I think a big reason Tennessee has been getting out early, um, you know, really going deep. I know Heupel hasn't really put too much emphasis on, you know, the, the deep ball, um, I guess, explosive plays in the offense. It's been more kind of short passes, feed Ty and Evans, um, stuff like that. But, you know, connects with Peyton, I believe it was the second touchdown of the day after hitting Hyatt in the end zone. Tough catch there by Hyatt. But, you know, it's just it's it's nice to see a receiver really coming to form that hooker to – Hooker to Peyton connection is really starting to to hit its stride. Um, as far as second half goes, you know that I wasn't expecting it. I thought Tennessee was just going to keep going, kind of like they did against Missouri. Um, you know, obviously a thirteen to seven outscoring by South Carolina in the second half. Mm-hmm. But you know, when it comes down to it, teams are going to have their off days. You know, took their foot off the gas, but it's a first year head coach with a newer team. You know, you got guys that are you know excited for the moment. Don't necessarily know that, hey, in the SEC play, you're going to have to keep your foot down. You're going to have to play all four quarters to really dominate a team. And ultimately, it was still enough, 25-point win. You can't complain too much if you're a Tennessee fan. 
But that, those are just kind of my takeaways. Yeah. I mean, definitely, like you said, Javante Payton, he's scored in four straight games now. I mean, that's mm-hmm. insane. I mean, they are definitely – Hidden Hooker is becoming – he's solidifying as a top quarterback, which is kind of crazy to say as in this country. I mean, top five in pass rating with like 186, something crazy like that. Uh, definitely you can tell the chemistry he's building with him and him and the receivers. You know, the first couple of the games, we saw Joe Milton out there overthrowing people, whatnot, have you. But to me, Hooker has just solidified himself, being here from the spring on, now getting reps with the ones. He has just made this offense a different dimension. And so you can tell me, people like Cedric Tillman, who've only had his first three seasons, had eight receptions. He's got, he had six Saturday. I mean, that's unheard of. I just don't understand what happened um, past that to now make Hooker to do what he does. Do you think that Josh Heupel has had a huge hand in that, or do you think that's mostly Hooker being, you know, just an elite quarterback? You know, I mean, Hooker did, you know, he had decent numbers at Virginia Tech. Nothing of, like, the magnitude he's having now. I, I definitely think it's Heupel and the coaching staff. You can tell they're getting the most out of their players out of compared to what these last coach like last coaching staff did, you can tell these coaches just know what they're doing. You can tell by out there by the way the receivers are running routes, what the O line is doing, definitely overperforming compared to what we're used to these last like three years or so. You can tell the coaching staff is definitely to me just taking this offense to a new level that we have just not seen honestly probably five years plus personally. I just think that that is definitely the main calling card is definitely the coaching. Yeah, absolutely. We, I mean, we knew when Josh Heupel was hired, um, you know, his history has always been that offense, up-tempo offense, and kind of working with quarterbacks. And so, you, obviously, Tennessee's had some well-documented quarterback right. issues over, you know, you know, since Peyton Manning left, really, yeah. you could say, in one regard. But so we knew that 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 Heupel's success was going to be, you know, centered around the quarterback if he could. And obviously, year one, you're not mm-hmm. expecting a Heisman winner the no. first season, of but. Not. You know, just kind of at least taking those steps in the right direction because last year was so inconsistent between yeah. Garantano and Mauer and Bailey and whatever, and yeah. Peru just just did not seem no. to figure out what was going on, and so we knew like that that's where Hypo yeah. had that's where Hypo had to fix it, and so, and I, we thought it was going to be with Joe Milton. It turns out it's with Hendon Hooker. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just been incredible, and we'll talk a little bit about him more later. Um, but yeah, definitely, I think the coaching staff. Um, you know, they, it deserves a lot of credit for what they've been able to do with Hooker in this offense, seemingly out of nowhere. I mean, we knew, like, Hypo's going to bring that offense, but the, to get the results and see it happening, you know, halfway through the season in their, you know, tops in the SEC and some of the top teams in the, in the, in the country in terms of offense, uh, that's, been, that's been pretty surprising. I think, you know, you can tell, like, compared to last year, Tennessee's already out, scored more points than all of last year in the first six games. They've already outscored their, you know, like 100, they scored like 103 points in the first quarter last year. They had like 48, something crazy. So, I mean, you can just tell that that is just what is paying off. You can just tell that Heupel and his coaching staff just know what they're doing, and we're not used to that. I mean, because you're seeing like Tyon Evans do what he does, rush for 119, one one touchdown on Saturday. I mean, like you said in the second half, yeah, it was, you know, not the best showing, but like we're up 38 to 7 at the half, or 37 at the half. Everyone's going to take a little bit off the gas pedal. You know, injuries were piling up for Tennessee. You can just tell they didn't really try. And that, and the game was just out of reach. You, no matter what South Carolina did, even pulling out a punt, for a punt, you know, a, a fake punt for 44 yards and a touchdown, that's all they had going on offense. 
So, I mean, like, yeah, you can take a little bit in, into that, but I don't see too much into it because up 37 at the half, went 45 to 20. You, the gas pedal was definitely lifted. It, it was just it, – they had no shot. I'm sorry, but South Carolina had no shot of coming back and winning, so definitely okay. Yeah, I mean, if they're up – you know, if Tennessee's up 20 going into halftime, then Different maybe, story. you know, that's, that's a little bit of a problem because – We've seen teams come back from from down twenty before yeah. um, at, at all three levels of the sport, be it high school, be it you know, be it professional, whatever. But you know, with Tennessee building such a dominant lead and just having such a presence in the mm-hmm. first half, yeah. you can really tell that you know you come out and I mean, Hypo obviously still wants to win, but he's not gunning deep. He's no. not going to Javante Payton first play. You know, he's no. not doing a shallow route to Valus Jones. Yeah. You know, with the with blockers downfield, he's. He, I believe he ran the ball all three times just straight out of the gun yeah. in the first half. And it's like when it comes down to it, yeah, you want to run clock. You want to just mm-hmm. in, you just want to get it over yeah, with. Yeah. South Carolina has a good defense, but you know they'll be able to stop Tyon Evans when all they're doing is right. running the ball. And, and South Carolina knew that, you know that hey, they're going to want to run clock. You know they're they're not exactly going to be shooting you know to beat us by fifty because that's just yeah. not who Hypel is. That's not what any competitor really wants to do in the yeah. SEC. Like when it comes down to it, these coaches know each other. These coaches you know don't want to just clown on each other, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Because, like, that first drive you saw in the second half was three straight runs. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like, on third and one, you're probably going to want to give it to Tyon Evans. He just didn't get it. But then after that, though, you saw a sack each drive, which killed every single drive. You get the third and long, second and long, and you have to throw the football. Defense is not going to throw the football. They can sit back, bring pressure, whatever, drop eight, drop seven. It's hard to get that on third and long. So, South Carolina definitely played better defensively. But you could tell it was a different, a little bit different game plan. Like you said, you know, conservative more. Injuries were kind of piling up, already down to, you know, time was banged up, Jabari Small didn't play. So you just, I think that just kind of co- uh, came out into it, you know, 28 first quarter, 38 sec- uh, first half. So I, I think that has a little bit to do with it, but I don't think too much into it heading into Ole Miss. Yeah, and, you know, a big reason that Tennessee had that big lead has been its quarterback, Kenan Hooker. We all know right. kind of already talked about a little bit about his success, but I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into that. Um, just a couple of stats on Hooker. He's And as far as the SEC rankings, Hooker is top four in completion percentage, uh, 69.64%, yards per attempt at 9.49 yards, passing touchdowns with 13, and he has the highest quarterback rating in the SEC at 185.88. That's right. A Tennessee quarterback has the highest quarterback rating in the SEC. Never thought I would hear those words. I'm telling you what. Yeah. yeah. We're halfway through the season. Halfway through. This isn't one game in. <laughs> yeah. We just entered a new plane of existence. Honestly. So. <laughs> I just It just feels great to say that. We're actually yeah. topping something. Who yeah. knows how long that's been, especially yeah. a quarterback play. Yeah. And so 13 passing touchdowns. That's already tied his previous career high. Mm-hmm. Um, it's through six games, 13 passing touchdowns. I yeah. believe at Virginia Tech 2019, he did that in 10 games. Yeah. So we're kind of seeing a career year out mm-hmm. of Hinton Hooker. Um, like we said earlier, he lost out the starting job to Joe Milton. Mm-hmm. Right. Joe Milton was kind of the late transfer in, uh, didn't get the spring practice, but won the job between the summer and fall. Hinton Hooker starts the season on the bench at, against Bowling Green. Um, comes in, I believe it was the pit game when Milton was injured. Mm-hmm. You know, he plays a decent game at Florida, but he comes out, and then that next game, Hooker's starting again. I think that was big there. Josh Hopwood realized, yeah, Hooker's, you know, Milton's had the overthrows. He's had the inconsistencies, whatever. Hooker's been productive. So he went, you know, he went with him starting in that next game after Florida, 
and you know he's kind of taking it and run and he's you know already got the the passing touchdowns he's you know been great on the ground with the rushing touchdowns um Ethan just what did you what have you seen from Hooker so far um just talk a little bit about him and Tennessee's quarterback yeah so I mean what comes to mind immediately is just I've kind of said it the whole time I think Joe Milton has the higher ceiling between the two I think Hooker thrives in this offense that Heupel's created. Maybe that's why he wasn't as high, you know, in Virginia Tech. Um, obviously, he was a good quarterback there. I mean, definitely not taking anything away from him. If you watch, just look up Hendon Hooker stats of Virginia Tech, or not stats, highlights on YouTube at Virginia Tech. The dude was an animal. <laughs> he yeah. was all over the place running. Yeah. He, he really, really does remind me of Josh Dobbs. But kind of getting back to the Joe Milton thing, you know, Milton's got a high ceiling. He can throw the ball 80 yards flat-footed. Um Sometimes that's a problem, though, and it's like like Josh said, it's nice that Hypo was able to recognize that. Hey, mm-hmm. Tennessee, if they want to win right now, needs a quarterback like Hendon Hooker, the guy that can hit the deep ball every once in a while, but more importantly, is accurate, doesn't make mistakes. He's only got one interception on the year, and it was like I think one of his. I don't even think it was in his start. I think it might have been against Pitt. It was. It was. It was when I believe Tennessee was kind of desperate at the time, so mm-hmm. he was making you know rush rushed throw because yeah. he kind of has to he doesn't yeah. have much more of an option so you can't really even fault him on that yeah. so just on his own you know just playing at his own pace he's been pretty much mistake free yeah. um and obviously Hypel expects that from his quarterback and he expects you know those players you know we don't want we're moving fast already we don't want the defense to have to play more than they already have to yeah you know and I think just another point about the coaching staff, the difference is you saw last year with Pruitt and his staff, they couldn't get over JG. They stayed with him through all of his mistakes, whatever the heck he did. They did not care. Pruitt's like, this is my guy. I don't care. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play him every game. And, we, and it obviously showed 3-7 and seven last year. You know, Milton starts first two games, gets hurt, then Hooker gets in, plays well. Heupel realizes the mistake he made and owns it, and then now he's playing the right guy. You know, I'm sure how bad do fans, everybody want that Pittsburgh game mm-hmm. back. I mean, come on. You, you're going to tell me this offense right now, the way we're playing, they're going to beat that Pittsburgh team? That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So that game, I know that's sitting, you know, deep in their soul, just like, man, how bad do we want to play them again? But just kind of going off of that a little bit, um, yeah, I just I, – and also about Milton, too. I think in one of the reasons why they kind of did play him, he's got more of his eligibility left. This is Hooker's last year. So, yes, Hooker might have been the right guy to begin with, but I think Milton had, you know, a longevity. And like you said, the pure talent is there for Milton. It's just a little coaching up. And I think they wanted to either – I mean, I don't – I mean, I guess that could have been a reason, but I think Milton's got three more years left, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but Hooker, this is last year, so they may have wanted longevity, get Milton ready this year, but obviously a mistake was made. But, I mean, I trust Heupel. I mean, what he's done with Drew Locke, McKenzie Milton, Landry Jones at all Oklahoma – I trust this guy, and you can just show it's happening again with Hendon Hooker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was trying to find Hooker's um, eligibility here. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I think he might have one year left, because I think he's redshirted, so okay. I think the COVID the thing COVID might, thing, get another I year. I think COVID might give him another they year. They gave, like, everybody yeah. an extra year. Super I'm, senior. We've got, like, sixth or seventh year seniors. Yeah, and, unbelievable. Yeah, so Hooker, redshirt senior, uh, Milton, redshirt junior, so... Yeah. 
I think with COVID, I think he might. might I, no, I don't quote me on that. Okay. Riley might be correct. But yeah. I, I wanted to think that he had one more year. I don't know. That's just what I've been thinking yeah. this entire semester so far <laughs> just while watching him play because something that I've always seen is like, hey, if this guy – if. If he has even another year to develop right. under Heupel, I can't even imagine. Oh, I, mean, I can't either. If, if he comes back, he's a Heisman candidate. Oh, like, there's no at, question at the beginning about of the year, it. I really do. Believe I believe that. I truly, truly agree with you. No question. Yeah, but I mean, to your point, regardless, Joe Milton still at least has one more year. One more year yeah. after Hooker, just yeah. by the fact of him being a junior. So, again, credit credit to Heupel for yes. for going. You know, switch. I guess they're both his guys because they both transferred to Heupel right. after yeah. he was hired, but. You know the one that this is recent come out. And he's got all the talent, and he earns a starting job to mm-hmm. to go back on that. I think that that says a lot about Hypo as a coach and what he wants to do with this offense. Yeah. And you know, kind of kind of speaking of that, um, you know, what's what's impressed you the most, or you could say surprised or whatever. Just talk about Tennessee's offense. We're halfway through the season. Um, the, they've already scored more points. You mentioned earlier, two hundred forty nine mm-hmm. points. That second in the SEC, sixth in the nation. Um, they lead the SEC in rushing touchdowns. Total offense in SEC games, first downs, thirty-yard plays in SEC games, which was that's a, that might be the surprising one to me. Um, they have the the best turnover margin in SEC games at plus five. So, I mean, what's what surprised you the most? What what's impressed you the most about Tennessee's offense, Ethan? Just, I guess how varied it is 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 kind of the thing that and that might be a little shocking of an answer when I. When I heard about Heupel, obviously, you know, coming in after Pruitt, and he's the guy that's hired, the first thing I think is, oh, he's just going to throw the ball deep 75% of the time. Because I'm, I was naive about it. I just didn't know much about Heupel. But I knew his, you know, knack for progressing these really good quarterbacks. Like Riley said earlier, like Mackenzie Milton, like Landry Jones. He's got, you know, a knack for that sort of stuff. So I thought it was going to be a lot of passing. And I guess, like Heupel said, the misnomer about the offense is they run the ball a lot, and they punish you with it. You know, Ty and Evans especially, and, you know, you got Jabari Small behind him is having a good year. He's kind of had some injury problems, but, you know, there's been no problems in the rush game. And so that's that's kind of what surprised me the most is just how effective that has been on the ground. Like, Evans is a beast, for, for lack of a better <laughs> yeah, word. he is. He is. I mean, he's just punishing people. Yeah. It doesn't matter really who he's going up against. I've... I'm not sure how many yards he had against Florida, but he, I mean, he was he was punishing even them, you know. I mean, yeah. the scoreboard doesn't exactly show it. I believe it was 38 to 14, but you know, this offense has places to go, and I don't think we've even we've even seen yeah. what what they're capable yeah. of yet. I think what's just kind of speak volumes to me this year through all the injuries, even on offense, whatever it might be, they're still performing at a high level. I mean, the offensive line has had turnover every game. Cooper Mays, Kingston Harris, everybody being out. Jerome Carvin, you know, playing center when he's a guard. Cooper Mays playing tackle when he's really a guard. That's what he played at Georgia. So through all the turmoil, they're still performing at a high level. Like, you know, the offense is getting over 200 yards on offense, on rushing the football. Up front is dominant. Now, the sacks are a different story. Gave up six against South Carolina. That could still need some improvement, but obviously you can tell this offense is built by the running game. The running game builds the play action, read option, whatever it might be. You can tell that is what they live and die from, and that to me is, I love to see that. I love just ground and pound. Seeing Todd Evans, you know, was he 5'8", five, 5'9", five, but he's built like a like a bowling ball. I mean, he just runs over people, runs through that line. I wouldn't want to tackle that man. I'm sorry. He's a smaller Derrick Henry, if you want to be honest with me, but... 
I, and honestly, Jamari Small, Laneith Whitehead, he's going three, four deep at most positions, and they're still performing at a high level. To me, that just speaks volumes to the coaching staff. These players are buying in. You know, we're seeing offensive numbers we haven't seen in five-plus years. You know, I'll go back and think, imagine Heupel with the 2016 offense. How disgusting would that be? I'm sorry. Got NFL talent across the board on that team. He's doing this with guys who may not play past Tennessee. You know, and once he gets, I mean, I'm not saying these guys aren't real talent, but imagine, you know, he gets all these recruits in. These guys are going to, if I was a recruit, I want to come here play for this guy. I mean, come on. I, to me, that just, I love it. It makes me happy. Yeah, and obviously, you know, we got a big recruiting weekend coming up yes. this week. I mean, Walter Nolan, number one prospect in yes. the nation, is going to be in attendance. I believe I saw a 2024 quarterback, mm-hmm. um, number one in the class. I, I, his name is escaping me right now, but he's going to be in attendance. Yeah. You got Jordan Potts from Powell, mm-hmm. you know, pretty dynamic quarterback down there. Got some stuff to work on, but he's he's definitely got what it takes, you know, to play at the next level. So you got all these guys from around Knoxville, from around the nation, just seeing what Heupel's been doing, seeing what Tennessee has been doing, just returning to be fun again. Yes. And, and, you know, even if Tennessee goes out here and lays an egg against Ole Miss, and, you know, you can argue that one way or another. We'll get to that mm-hmm. in a minute. Yeah. But even if they do that, Tennessee football is fun right yes. now. Yeah, I mean, last year, you know, you can say what you will about Pruitt. You can say, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, they're not putting up very many points against lower-level SEC teams. But now – Tennessee is. They're mm-hmm. they're beating South Carolina forty five to twenty. They're yeah. beating Missouri by sixty two to twenty four. You yeah. know they're putting up big numbers. And when it comes down to it, that's what the people want to see. Yeah. I mean, last year, you know, there were the games. We don't put up twenty eight. We put twenty eight in the first quarter of the last two weeks. Like that's unheard of, mm. <laughs> especially for us that we've been through the most. Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw a stat, and I I can't. I don't have a pull up, so it's just off the top of my head. So we'll check the accuracy, but. I think it was like the first time in a hundred years or something like that that Tennessee had twenty eight points or you know back to back games yeah. it, or you know I can't remember the exact date. But I want to think it's the first time ever. Yeah, maybe Sorry even to ever. Cut you off, yeah, but maybe I, even I think ever. it was the first time ever. It sounds about right. So we're again we're doing unheard of things. Yeah. In the off, you know, as far as Tennessee offense is concerned, um, again I think that goes back to Josh Heupel all in the end of just what he's been able to do. Um, but we've mentioned Ole Miss. Obviously, I think it's an understatement to say it's a big game coming up this mm-hmm. weekend. Ole Miss is hot off a crazy win over Arkansas. I think early candidate for game of the year, maybe oh, 52-51 win. Mm-hmm. Uh, both teams are scoring back and forth, back and forth, even late in the fourth quarter, probably under five minutes. I don't have the exact numbers, but I think they both scored at that point. It comes down to Arkansas, you know, two-point conversion play in the end zone. And they, yeah, don't get it. Ole Miss walks out with the win. Yeah, um, I mean, it was it was so intense that game was that I have a theory that Josh Heupel was watching it before he came out in the uh, <laughs> the post game press conference because I know the media was. Yeah. We're waiting for Heupel. You know, we got our questions ready, and you know, you see off to our left, people are watching the TV, and of course, everyone's got to go watch it. Oh yeah, it was kind of kind of anticlimactic because you know. We don't really care who wins at that point, yeah. but Arkansas tries the two-point conversion. I believe it was a fade, which is one of the worst plays in the history of football. Debatable, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, okay. But, but you know, I mean, not, not not that specific one, oh, but, okay. you know, the fade. I'm, I'm not a fan of the goal line fade. But I, I could be wrong. That might not have been what it was. I can't really remember, but, you know, excellent game, enough mm-hmm. to, to get Heifel to watch yeah. it, you know, after, after a big win enough to get Tennessee media to be watching it, and obviously yeah. people at home are watching it, but I mean, 
52 to 51. That is a score. I believe yeah. the over for this game for Tennessee and Ole Miss is 82, something mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. which is one of the highest like Ever. since like Texas Tech and someone yeah. in 2016. But like beyond that, ever <laughs> it's yeah. like the second yeah. highest ever. Because I mean, when you talk over under, I think Alabama Ole Miss this year was like maybe seventy nine and a half, something insane mm-hmm. like that. But the difference between Arkansas in two weeks, you get blown out by Georgia thirty seven to zero, and then you come out and score fifty one, have six hundred and seventy yards of total offense. Now obviously defense is a different story, whatever it might be. But like obviously Arkansas's offense is. You know what's fine? It's average. You know what's a fine offense? But they do that against Ole Miss. I'm sorry, but like that should speak well for Tennessee coming into Saturday, if you ask me. Yeah, I know we'll hit on these on these defenses a little later. Um, and obviously, coming into the week, we know it's going to be an offensive shootout. So mm-hmm. on the flip side of that, we know which defense holds up better in the end. We'll talk about it a little bit that more later. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, also with this weekend. Um, we, you know, we mentioned the hype around it, the build-up. Checker Nealand is back, mm-hmm. right? There was a movement going forward. Danny White, I guess, caved in. I don't know exactly, all, all the specifics. I, I want to say he caved in. Everybody was pressuring him on Twitter. Yeah. He caved in. I like to use the word peer pressure. I do, too. <laughs> I, I think that's very fitting for this movement for this weekend. I, I think that's a good word. But, you know, <laughs> when, it, when it comes down to it, Danny White, he seems to be really for the people, and that's kind of a generic yeah. comment. But no, he, he, really, he really does seem to have Tennessee fans' best interest in heart. And, yeah. You know they want it, so when it comes down to it, he delivered, and I, I, I don't think he wanted to wait. And you can tell that, mm-hmm. you know, when it came down to it, he yeah. wanted to do what yeah. what the fans wanted to do. Yes. And Hypel seems that way as well. Yeah. They're all people's people, honestly, and that's just what I get from that. They want to please us a lot, which is fair. You know, been through a lot, which is fine. But you know, I check your Nealands, whatever. You know, the last time we did it, sour taste in the mouth, forty-one to nothing against Georgia. Also, last game was Pokey Gray's, so. You know, like you said, we're one and three in Checker England games. So, like, obviously it looks great, but the outcome, not the best. Remind me, do you guys know if there's been one at night before? Because Oklahoma 2015. Oklahoma 2015. I yeah. was actually at that game. I'm not sure it was, why I don't remember that. It was but. 2014 Florida at noon, and then Oklahoma in 15, Florida in 16, Georgia in 17. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I remember the, the Florida one. I'm not sure. That's the one, obviously, Tennessee came out on top in. Yeah. To 2015, Oklahoma just about came on top, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah. But yeah. Lost in overtime, up 17 nothing at um, first half, but what the difference for a different day. But, you know, that was back when Tennessee, you know, and obviously they're getting to that point again, but that was when Tennessee could really compete with the Oklahomas, yeah. with the Georgias. Right. And the reason they haven't done Checker Nealon, kind of like you said earlier, Riley, is because – just a sour taste in the mouth from the last time, mm-hmm. 2017, four years ago. Yeah. The last time it happened, 41 to nothing loss to Georgia. You know, whenever that happens, people are going to put their gimmicks on and say, hey, we just want to win football. Exactly, games. exactly. And last sellout, too. So, I mean, like, that four years ago, that, that, that blows my mind. How big football is here four years ago was the last sellout. Mm-hmm. I just can't believe it. Yeah, I, I think it speaks volumes to <clears throat> the, the, the Pruitt era. And obviously, coming from Alabama, I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of hype in I, you know, after some of those teams, but he just did not deliver. And you can, yeah. you can blame him on whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you have to win football games to be successful. And, you know, fans fans don't show up. They don't they don't follow the team when you're not winning. So mm-hmm. you're not going to get your sellouts. You're not going to get your big promotions. It's it's just it is what it is. And I don't know, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't win, you know, no one, no one cares. No one and I cares. think, you know, finally – 
Heupel, we're, again, we're six games in, mm-hmm. so you still are at least still halfway through. But Heupel's won so far. You know, we've had a couple of close losses, but as a, as a whole, Heupel's really turned the program around. People people are starting to care about it. They maybe haven't done it for the first time in four years. Yeah. And so, again, big weekend coming up. Um, Ethan? Yeah, I'd say it all starts with Ole Miss. You know, Tennessee beat South Carolina. They beat Mizzou. Those are the teams that they beat last year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, still have a loss to pit. So when it comes down to it, you know, it's looking up right now, but Tennessee still hasn't proven anything. Not really. They've, they've won games by a lot, mm-hmm. and, you know, the hype is obviously there, and I understand that because it's kind of warranted, you know. You beat, I believe it was South Carolina last year by less than less than you know. It was close. I, I think it was six point six. Yeah, it was very close. Thirty-one to twenty-seven, I believe very it was. Close. So you know, you come and beat them by twenty-five this year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's an improvement, but you got to do it against the high-level teams, against the Ole Miss, and this is the perfect opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, Ole Miss number thirteen in the nation, but it's a winnable game. Yes. It's it's more so than Alabama and Georgia because we're at home. Um, you've got the hype coming off of. Two big SEC wins. You got Lane Kiffin coming to town. Yeah. You've got you know all these different mini storylines that are moving around. Mm-hmm. That is just getting people hyped yeah. and just getting people. Hey, I want to go to this game. I want to be loud. And that's how you mess up an offense like Ole Miss. You mm-hmm. be loud. You mess with their communication. You mess with Matt Corral's communication. Mm-hmm. You know their Heisman um, contender for quarterback um, and just. Just mess up their offense in any way, make mistakes because their defense is not going to hold up. And Tennessee's defense has shown that they kind of can. Yeah. You know, when it when it comes, obviously they're like I said earlier, playing the South Carolinas, playing the Mizzou's. They have to go out and prove it if they want to take that next yeah. step. If Heupel wants to really be the guy for yeah. Tennessee. I mean, like you said, South Carolina Mizzou. Like, let's just be honest, they're the bottom barrel of the SEC with Vanderbilt. They mm-hmm. they just are, and it, it is. But you know, you got some positives. Hype will be a second-year coach in Elon Drinkowitz. You know, I mean, they had a decent amount of track coming in. Uh, returning quarterback, Connor Bazelak. Great running attack. I forget his name, but he's been there for probably you know, Tyler, 20, Tyler 20 yeah. years, it seems like. <laughs> um, you know, it'd be his counterpart first year, Shane Beamer. So, I mean, like, there's building blocks. And, yes, those defenses aren't as good as, you know, other defenses might be. But just to show that you're not a part of that group, I think that's meaningful. Because yeah. coming into the season, there were it was low expectations. It was, you know. Most of these games were toss-ups coming into it. You had bona fide wins over Vanderbilt, South Alabama, Tennessee Tech. That might have been it. Maybe Bowling Green. Maybe um, Bowling Green. Sorry, I forgot yeah. about Bowling Green. And everybody else was a toss-up minus Florida, Alabama, and Georgia. Those were bona fide losses. Everything else was a toss-up. And so now coming into this weekend with this one, this was also a toss-up for me, and now the fact that we're only an underdog by two and a half points – that, to me, is just building blocks for the future. And I think the way Tennessee has done it is why the hype is there. Not yes. necessarily because Tennessee's beaten Mizzou. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the year, that wasn't exactly expected. I'd say Mizzou was a 50-50. South Carolina was probably a Tennessee win for yeah. most people. Mizzou wasn't necessarily, you no. know, they're not as great as they were projected to be preseason. But Mizzou is not a game that Tennessee was outright no. expected to win. Yeah. That, that is not a game that Tennessee fans went into the season saying, we should beat this yeah, team. Exactly. And to go out there and just, you know, dominate yeah. both of them. Yeah. It, that really speaks to where the program is at. I'd say that they are ahead of the curve yeah, right now. I agree. I agree. So, Ole Miss coming to town, <clears throat> uh, we, we've kind of hinted on their offense, just how, how proficient they are, how much they can score. We'll touch on that a little bit more later. 
But maybe the biggest storyline with this, at least in the media, I think as far as you, you ask any team, any players, they don't care. They don't care about any of this. But, you know, talking to the media, talking to Tennessee fans in general, it's Lane Kiffin's return yeah. to Knoxville. Mm-hmm. Lane obviously, train. Yeah. Yeah, obviously he had that 2009 season. They lose in the bowl game, cause a late press conference and bounces. They're, you know, he had other factors kind of kind of pushing him out the door. We won't get necessarily get into, but just what can you what do you remember about Lane about, you know, him leaving in the middle of the night, whatever you want to call it. Um, where where does he factor into this? Riley, we'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, because I was so going back to two thousand nine. I was eleven. Goodness gracious! <laughs> I mean, I, time is fun. I'm an old man. Good gosh! But so I was eleven. I mean, I was obviously very invested in two thousand nine at the games. I went to a lot of them. I actually went to the Music City Bowl. That was a tough one to witness. Um, but I mean, you know, I wasn't probably even awake when he left in the middle of the night. I was asleep. Woke up to the next morning, and I was like, really. Because I like this guy. I, he he brought a different energy. Because you know, we've been used to, you know, Philip Former had been there for, you know, since 93 or whatever it might have been. So, you know, time for a new face, even though we did kind of push him out, whatever. But I thought Lane Kiffin was a great guy. I did. You know, I, as a kid, you know, I might have hated him then, but I don't really hate him now. You know, I get his point of going to USC, dream job. I get that. You know, that's whatever. Maybe probably should have different, a different way. Definitely immature Lane Kiffin at that point in his life. He's matured, obviously, with Nick Saban, FAU, now at Ole Miss. But we were talking earlier. I don't think this game has the hype. It might a little bit because Ole Miss is a good team if Kiffin is not the coach. If it's somebody different, it has a decent amount. But since he is the head coach, it's just an added plus for us. You know, honestly, I mean, I want to kind of curb stop him just because I want to. But, like, I expect some boos, but I expect some faint cheers because Kiffin is Kiffin. But, you know, people wanted him to come here again uh, when, you know, when we fired Pruitt. I didn't think that was realistic. We're not going to deal with that. We're not going to deal with that again. But it definitely an added plus to the game on Saturday, if you ask me. Yeah, Lane Kiffin, if, if you had to write a TV, TV series about, yeah. about University of Tennessee football, you know, Lane Kiffin is just—he's a major character that has gone through yes. some serious character development as I mean, time has gone along. And was too he, he named his kid Knox. Yeah. I mean, like, come on, <laughs> this kid—he loves Knoxville. You've got—you've got people. So obviously, you know, my my two cents from that night. Obviously, I'm I'm nine, ten years old. I don't yeah. know exactly off the top of my head. January twelfth, two thousand ten, calls a press conference like eleven at night. It wasn't even a press conference. You can watch it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. He he drags these reporters into a room in the middle of the night and says, "Hey guys, I'm going to my dream job and I'm, is, I'm I'm out yeah. basically." And he's he also I believe says that I would not have done this for any other school. It's only USC, which in my opinion is even more of a slap yeah. to the face. Yeah. And so you can see why you know I mean. The campus rioted, and you've got, you know, these players cursing his name and all that stuff, and fast forward ten years later, or nine years later, when Pruitt gets booted, there are people wanting him back, but at the time, the Tennessee fans were, you know, calling for his head and saying, we want, you know, I mean, you know, GTH, Lane Kiffin, stuff like that, and it's like... You know, they hated this guy. Mm-hmm. And now he's like, he's just kind of a, a popular figure in Tennessee yeah. history. Yeah. He's the guy that, you know, 
the one that got away, I guess, that he could have been really good for Tennessee. Yeah. And all these narratives are, are just circling around about this guy that, like, I don't know, he's like a man of mystery. It's yeah. so weird. Yeah. He goes off to USC. He doesn't do too hot. He goes to FAU. I think he he gets them ranked for the first time ever. He did great at FAU. Yeah, and then, you know, leaves for, you know, I, I think he went to Alabama first, but yeah. then leaves for Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, here he is now, number 13 t- team in the nation, and, you know, he's, he's just a fun character fun to follow. Character. He's got all sorts of stuff going yeah. on, you know, Love him or hate him, he's he's an interesting fellow for yeah. sure, and it's it's. I think it's going to be a warm welcome in in Neyland. I don't think there's going to be too many boos. Me personally, yeah. I think people are going to have that. I guess competitive edge yeah. because it's Ole Miss and yeah. used to be Tennessee's coach. But I I I don't think it's going to be too much of like a hate thing. I think it's more going to be like a we want to beat you yeah. so exactly. badly right now because of everything. That has just gone on in our future. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's the level of like the Brady reunion, but you saw the Patriot fans boo him when he got out there because, like you said, the competitive thing. That'll probably happen for us. But deep down, we're like, man, I like this guy. It's he's, good to see him back. He's just such a constant figure yes. in Tennessee, yeah. and not even just Tennessee history and just sports history. For yeah. the past twenty years, the guy has just been everywhere. Mm-hmm. It, it it seems like he can't yeah. really go away. Can't go away. You know, it's just Lane Kiffin's always that yeah. dude in, in the back of your in the back of your mind, like, oh yeah, Lane Kiffin. Lane I Kiffin yeah. He's at Florida <laughs> Atlantic. Oh yeah, yeah, Lane Kiffin. There he he's, is. He's throwing clipboards in the yeah. air when you know, and yeah. he's just fun. He's fun guy. You know, you got you got. I think it was last year. I'm not sure if Corral was there last year, but. You got their quarterback throws a bomb and the guy's wide open. They yeah. win. It's like to win the game yeah. or something, you know. In the deep in the fourth quarter, I don't know if it was to win, but it put him ahead. Yeah. And Kiffin just throws this clipboard <laughs> seven hundred yards in the air, yeah. and and it's just like that's fun. Yeah. This dude's fun. Like he's not he's not just a stoic professional yeah. dude. He's fun. He's yeah. a football coach, and you know, it's it's gonna be interesting to have him back. Mm-hmm. That much that much I can guarantee. Yeah, I think this is his. Second return, maybe to Knoxville. Yes. He came as an OC in Alabama, but like that's not the same thing. Yeah. He's a head coach now. <laughs> yeah. Now that now that the focus on is on him, this is his team. Mm-hmm. Definitely a matchup to watch. And I'm um, speaking of his team, they've they've been successful. I obviously starts with the offense. Um, we mentioned Matt Corral, you know, kind of one of the leading Heisman candidates. Mm-hmm. Just a, maybe a little bit behind Bryce Young on most um, most sites you go to. Um, but he's got nearly 1,500 passing yards, 12 touchdowns, no interceptions. He can run the ball. I think he leads the SEC in rushing touchdowns as a quarterback. Um, so, obviously, offense, it runs through Matt Corral. Mm-hmm. You know, just what are your thoughts on them, on Ole Miss's offense? Riley, we'll start with you. Yeah. So, like, me last year, Matt Corral, the jump from this year to last year, last year he had 14 interceptions. This year he's got zero. He threw six against Arkansas last year. And now Arkansas, last week, he doesn't throw anything, and he throws for, like, over 300 yards. It's, it's, it's insane what Kiffin has done to him, race him to that next level. Um, but just overall on their offense, they, they live and die by, by running the football like we do. Um, they've got four guys that have run for over 200 yards, Matt Crow included. He leads their team with eight touchdowns, on the ground at least. Um, the big matchup going into this weekend they are ranked fifth in rushing with 259. Tennessee is ranked 30th on defense, giving 112. To me, that's the big matchup of this weekend. Can the Tennessee running game stack up to their running attack? Because you saw, and also running quarterback, because you saw last time Tennessee played running quarterback, Avery Jones, he ran for 144 yards. Matt Corral can run. 
So how does that match up going to the, this weekend? Um, they've got some decent receivers. Um, their best receiver is Ontario Drummond, 460 for five touchdowns. So they've got weapons. Kiffin knows how to use weapons like Heupel does. Like I said, the main matchup to me is their running attack versus our rushing defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned Florida. I think that was the big one of the big storylines going yeah. into that game because you know you play Pitt, you play Bowling Green, or whoever it was before that, and they were one of the best rushing defense, and they still might be top of the, mm-hmm. you know near the top, but they were one of the best rushing defenses in the country, and you know they kind of kind of got exposed a little bit yeah. against Florida. So that's a good point mm-hmm. you bring up to watch is that can Tennessee stop the run? Um, Ethan, just kind of your thoughts on Ole Miss, their offense, Matt Corral, whatever. Yeah, Corral is obviously the one that spearheads that offense. You know, without him, I'm not sure Ole Miss works. I'm not sure Ole Miss runs. Um, like Riley said, dude has 20 touchdowns on there. He's averaging four touchdowns a game and has not turned the ball over. And that is just, I mean, efficient isn't the word. That is that is next-level yeah. efficiency, I guess, for, for lack of a better term, because truly it goes beyond that. And... You know, they've got the weapons, like Riley said earlier, you know, um, good running team, great passing team. They're putting up 46 points a game, yeah. I think. I think they're out. I think the average score is 46 to 31 mm-hmm. for Ole Miss. Yeah. And, you know, they just, they put up points. Now, their defense, that's kind of a different story. Very much um, so. Now, Tennessee is very, very, very similar to Ole Miss in that regard. Not necessarily the defense. I'd say Tennessee actually has a better defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, one and two in offense. And I believe the SEC, maybe Alabama's up there as well. Yeah. But just in terms of explosive offense, putting points on the board, Tennessee and Ole Miss are two of the top teams in, yeah. I'd say, the country, even if Tennessee isn't ranked. Now, if you go down to those four phases plus special teams, you got to say Tennessee Ole Miss offense, that's kind of a shootout. Mm-hmm. And then defense, Tennessee should be able to kind of pull ahead in that regard. Yeah. Now, is there any slowing down Matt Corral? That's, you know, that's to be seen. Yeah. And it's hard to preview stuff like that because of just how efficient Lane Kiffin has been mm-hmm. on offense with Ole Miss. But, you know, that's that's going to be the key is yeah. – you got to slow down Matt Corral somehow. Yeah. That Emory Jones ran all over Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You just cannot allow that for Corral. Yeah. When you look at Tennessee's defense, some numbers that pop out: fifty-two tackles for loss. That's first um, in the SEC. That's first in the Power Five and second in FBS. So they're playing aggressive. They've got seven interceptions in their last four games. Mm-hmm. So you know maybe they've 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 been forcing the turnovers and that was kind of the story you know at the beginning of the year they couldn't get any turnovers they were making plays but just nothing was falling now everything's falling they're getting turnovers Jalen McCall has been a big part of that I think he's got three turnover or three interceptions of the year so that 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 aggressiveness that they've been they've been playing with um that ability you know to get turnovers Mm -hmm. uh to capitalize on the mistakes of the other quarterbacks obviously Matt Corral hasn't thrown one yet he hasn't had a turnover so if they can, you know, take advantage, maybe won't even make a mistake, and you know, Tennessee won't even be in that spot. But any advantage you can get, anytime you can stop an Ole Miss drive before you know they go punch it in the end zone, mm-hmm. I think I think that's a win. I think that has to be has to be where Tennessee's focus is on, and you know, a big part of that might be the injuries on their defense. Obviously, Jawan Mitchell, he's out for the year. That was earlier this week at linebacker. That's a huge loss for them. But, you know, they've had Aaron Beasley, they had Jeremy Banks step up mm-hmm. at linebacker. And I think <clears throat> handled the position well enough to where, obviously, the loss of Mitchell hurts, but maybe they feel all right about where they are. Yeah. 
Um, maybe a little more pressing for this game is in is in the secondary. Theo Jackson, Christian Charles, two guys that that didn't play last week. I think they were dressed up, so maybe they're maybe they're kind of on the minor injury side again. We don't hear you know a bunch about their injuries, but if those two guys, especially Theo Jackson, who's just been so good for the Vols all year, if those two guys are back and you know back in the secondary and can get at at Matt Corral, I think that I think yeah. that looks better for Tennessee's defense. Yeah, yeah it's going to come down to limiting those phantom injuries that nobody hears about until game day. You know, Theo Jackson, Danico Slaughter, Christian Charles, as as Josh said, you know, nobody knew that they were going to be out going into mm-hmm. this game. We all thought that they were just perfectly healthy, and then Theo Jackson, Danico Slaughter actually come onto the field in pads, and so you know Tennessee media is like, oh, they're playing because you know they're running around on the field. I mean, yeah. I you know I purchased some binoculars, which are very nice uh, <laughs> if, you're, if you're covering Tennessee football because the press box is pretty high up there. But you know, you look down there and you see these guys; they're running. They're they're not just like jogging on the sidelines and you know and in and looking like guys that aren't going to play. And so that kind of stuff, I guess, is something that. Not necessarily needs to be limited because they can't help it, but that's going to be big for Saturday. Yeah. You know, if we if we go in and old Miss, into the Ole Miss game and you're missing Jeremy Banks, Theo Jackson, and Alante Taylor just out of nowhere, that's a problem. Yeah. That is that is a major problem, especially yeah. against a team that can punish you in yeah. the deep game, punish you on offense. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's going to be pretty key. Is is they've got to kind of calm down on those injuries a little yeah. bit. I think another thing on the defense, like I said on the offense, you're seeing guys just step up, just step up in these roles for injuries. Like, for example, Aaron Beasley had nine tackles on Saturday. He had seven all of last season. He's got a guy, Brandon Turnage, uh, who hadn't played all season, gets SEC Defensive Player of the Week of 14 tackles. Mm-hmm. These coaches are just getting the most out of their players. That, to me, has been the most surprise all season. Just seeing the defense up front, the back half, just performing at a high level that was not as expected. Like We knew the offense was going to be good this season, but we didn't expect the defense to be at a level performing where they were stopping other offenses and helping out the team and not just relying on the offense to put up 60 every game. The defense is actually putting in the work and doing the effort. Like Jeremy Banks last year, he was like a lost puppy out there sometimes. This year was getting interceptions, tackles, sacks, doing it all. These coaches have just helped out each player. Yeah, Banks has really, really impressed this yeah, exactly. season. You, yeah. He's mostly, and I, I say mostly because the season is not over yet, has mostly kind of chilled out on those personal foul injuries. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, that was pretty prevalent last yeah. year. We've got a pretty decent joke going, running in the press box about that every time Jeremy Banks has one of those. But he's really impressed this season. Yeah. He's, he's really been a force, and that's why, with Jawan Mitchell being out, obviously that is a concern for depth. But the way Aaron Beasley's been playing, the way Banks has been playing, yeah. it's not as much of a blow as you would have thought going into no. preseason with Jawan Mitchell coming from Texas, yeah. being the main dude right. for the Longhorns. Yeah. And, and Page too, throw him in there as mm-hmm. well. So yeah, exactly. Page, he's yeah. had he's had a he's had a great season. Yeah. I mean, obviously much more than than what he did last season. Yeah. And you know, there's Tennessee has some dogs at linebacker. They've they've got some players on defense, and that's not exactly an area that people thought would be a strong yeah. suit. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that was a position group that I remember you talking at the beginning of the year. They didn't necessarily know how everything would shake up, but they had plenty of bodies there that mm-hmm. you know they're more than capable of handling that position. Um, so I guess as we wrap up, um, kind of just looking ahead at the second half of Tennessee's schedule and just you know what, what that means for them, what they've got as far as bowl eligibility. They're at four wins now. You need six. They should be a lock. They've got games against South Alabama, 
and Vanderbilt to end the year, you think those two are, are pretty much guaranteed to be a win. So you're at least at six. But again, we've got this this matchup this week with Ole Miss, kind of a toss up. You know, not really sure how that'll shake out yet. Again, there's Kentucky coming up in a couple of weeks. Obviously, Kentucky's good. They they're ranked right now. They beat Florida a few weeks back, but still, maybe not sure how to how to view them yet either. So, Ethan, we'll start with you. I guess just what are your thoughts as on Tennessee's kind of bowl status? Do they finish with seven or potentially even eight wins in the Hypels first year? Or just what are your thoughts on that as we as we close up? the podcast um, my my first thought is i never thought tennessee would be in this position to where we're talking about maybe eight wins because if you had told me that preseason i would have just i would have i would have written it off i would have yeah. said you don't know anything about football because you know tennessee has had their fair share of troubles and you can say that was pruitt you can say you know what you want but hypo has obviously turned it around he's put us Tennessee in a position to where six games is obviously a lot, I think so, unless, mm-hmm. you know, Vanderbilt just comes out with a vengeance wanting to beat an in-state rival, which you never know, but, you know, Vandy hasn't played too great this season. Obviously, South Alabama is South Alabama, and... Vandy did not beat in-state rival. Yes, <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. they already oh, yeah. beat in-state yeah. rival. Yeah. That is, that is true. I don't, maybe, maybe they'll... Maybe they'll even take that. <laughs> we've, we've lost to East Tennessee State. Let's beat the other East Tennessee. The other. I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> Josh, they did lose to the other in-state team. Yeah. Josh had a look of terror on yeah. his face, and I thought he was about. I thought I did something wrong. No, but, yeah, just, no, no. East Tennessee State beating Vandy. Yeah. If, if they can do it, I'd say UT Knoxville yeah. could do it. But moving forward, you know, Kentucky. I don't know how to rank Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, they beat Florida. I'm not sure about Florida either. I, I think Florida's a little overrated. I don't know. That might that might get me some slack. But Kentucky, yeah. obviously they beat Florida, and Tennessee did not. They also just about lost to UTC 28-23. to 23. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're following that game in the press box also. I thought they were going to lose. I thought Kentucky was going to lose too. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you can go one way with Kentucky. It's still, when Tennessee plays Kentucky, obviously, a couple years ago, mm-hmm. Kentucky's ranked. Tennessee goes and beats them exactly. in one of their best seasons ever. Yeah. And, you know, they, they're having one of their, one of their better season. seasons ever <laughs> this season. Yeah. So, they're just, Kentucky's definitely on the up and up. They've got, they've got a, a team that's really, really starting to play well. Yeah. But as far as Ole Miss and Kentucky go, Tennessee could very well beat both of them. I'm going to be bold and say they split them. I'm, yeah. I'm going to say between Ole Miss and Kentucky, yeah. I... I genuinely think Tennessee can can go be scrappy and, and take yeah. one of them down. I agree. I think the obviously eight eight would be unreal, but I think realistically seven's probably more of a possibility. You the more realistically winning this weekend and then losing to Kentucky, you know, home and away, different scenario. So, but I think that's the more realistic. So six and six, like you said, is a lock. I'm sorry, lock of the century, but. <laughs> A one and one is definitely more realistic for Tennessee perspective. But just honestly, just saying that, no one thought we'd be here. I thought we could get five, maybe six. In fact, we're talking about getting eight yep. by far. Like you said, if you had told me that at the beginning of the season, I thought you were high. So I'd be like, but seriously, <laughs> like definitely a different, a great scenario though. Yeah. And you know it's funny that the you know the three of us have just glossed over the fact that we got number one, number two. Well, not number one anymore. Alabama lost to uh, yeah. Texas A and M, but yeah. you got Alabama and Georgia on the schedule. Those you know Tennessee's on the up and up. I'm not sure they're quite ready for that level of competition. That, Georgia might have 
one of the most dominant defenses I've ever seen. Going back to like 2001 Miami. Yeah. Speaking of the Hurricanes, <clears throat> I think I'm not sure where Miami's sitting right now in the season. I think that would be an interesting bowl matchup yeah. if they do finish six and six. If if they do don't do like I said and yeah. finish one and one against Ole Miss and Kentucky. The Kings out for the season though, mm, so that's they're true. they're about to be. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. But. I, I, you know, a different a game could determine a ball game. You either go to Music City Bowl or you go to Florida. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like, let's hope we go to Florida. But yeah, that would be. I think I saw some people saying maybe Wisconsin because they're going to lose a pretty decent amount yeah. in the Big Ten. You know, they got Ohio State, Michigan yeah. State. I'm not sure who all they've played yet, but you got Wisconsin. I've seen some people say Louisville would be an interesting matchup. Obviously, okay. Louisville's just a little bit away. Yeah. Um, you know. It just kind of depends, really. I mean, mm-hmm. you could you could get as far to say like Utah, BYU, if they lose yeah. some more because yeah. BYU's got some tough teams on they the do. schedule. They lost to, you know, they lost to a uh, man. They did just lose to Fresno, uh, Arizona, Arizona, State. Arizona State. No, it yeah. wasn't Arizona State. They lost. to... Oh, they beat them. They they um. No, they lost to Boise State. Boise, Boise State, yeah, yeah. They just lost to Boise State, yeah. and they've got – that wasn't even the toughest game on there. I mean, no. this isn't a BYU podcast by any means, but, you know, they got USC coming up. they got yeah. Baylor coming up. Yeah. they got UCLA coming up. Yeah. So that would be an interesting mm-hmm. one to look out for. Obviously, Tennessee has BYU scheduled in the future. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Just off the top of my head, you got – I don't know, like uh, Texas Tech would yeah, be an interesting yeah. one. But, you know, obviously we're just speculating. It just comes point. out to matchups and bowl games, depending on who's who. Mm-hmm. So we'll yeah. see. Yeah, all things to watch as uh, Tennessee, you know, be- begins its second half of the season um, this Saturday against Ole Miss. As we've mentioned, definitely in a much better place than anybody could have anticipated. Mm-hmm. Even you know, if you, you say you have four wins, okay, but just where they are as a team and their yeah. mindset – they're just total offensive philosophy. Um, <clears throat> so that game kicks off 7.30 Eastern. It's on primetime SEC Network. So all eyes are going to be on Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have full coverage of that at the utdailybeacon.com. Uh, utdailybeacon.com. Full coverage. Um, so I guess that's it. I guess we'll just yeah. wrap it up. Riley, Ethan, thanks a lot for being on. Uh, I think this was a you know good time to kick off our first podcast of the year, May, except maybe right underneath the beginning of the season, we do it all year. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. that would have been a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. we're but a little bit behind the curve. That's all right. <laughs> hey, we'll start now. We'll just end on a better note. Yeah, you know? exactly. Go. We're going to finish strong. Yep. A little rusty Thanks. today, but it's just going to keep going up. Finish strong. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yep. Just cool. like the balls. All right. There you go. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll all see right, you guys. next time. See you.